Last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. Judging from the huge crowds of people that were here for all of the masses, uh, I would guess that perhaps many of you, if not most of you, were already here on Ash Wednesday, and so you know that we have begun the great and holy season of Lent, Quaresma. But even if you weren't able to attend Mass on Wednesday, uh, no problem. Today is your reminder that we have begun Lent. Lent has officially begun. This is the first Sunday of Lent, the first day of the first week of Lent. We have begun our pilgrimage toward Holy Week and Easter. And every year on the first Sunday, we go with Jesus into the desert. We reflect on his experience of fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. We reflect on his experience of being tempted by the devil. The Gospel passage that Deacon Rolando just read describes three of the devil's attempts to get Jesus to sin. Of course, he fails every time. But uh, this account has a lot to teach us, uh, uh, not only about Jesus, but about ourselves. The 40 days and 40 nights that Jesus spent in fasting and prayer are the reason why Lent lasts for 40 days. We're following him. But the 40 days are also symbolic of our whole life in this world. Life in this world is a Lenten pilgrimage. Let me pick out a few things that we need to understand if we're going to make progress through Lent. First of all, we're in a desert, a wilderness. Secondly, we have an adversary, the devil. And thirdly, we experience temptation. Now, there are other things we could say about these readings, but just to pick out the desert, Satan and temptation already sounds pretty bad. If I say, well, let's get out of here. Why, why, why listen to all this bad news? Why not focus on the good news? Well, this is part of the good news. In fact, uh, these three, the desert, Satan, and tempt temptation, of these three, only Satan is definitively bad. He's certainly bad. But the experience of the desert, and even the experience of temptation, though it's difficult, is not necessarily evil. It depends on how we respond. Because if we respond properly, we benefit from the experience in the desert and from being tempted. Notice something here at the very beginning of this Gospel passage. Why is Jesus in the desert in the first place? Who led Jesus to the desert? Not Satan. The Gospel says Jesus was led by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the desert to be tempted by the devil. So he's deliberately going there to do something good, not simply to endure evil. Okay, let's reflect on this a little bit. The first point is about the desert. The desert is the place of hunger and thirst. The desert is the place of, of need, of dependence, of danger. And we hate the experience of insecurity and, and dissatisfaction. We naturally long to be full, uh, uh, not empty. We naturally seek to, dis to, to satisfy all our needs and desires. 
And there are legitimate needs that can be satisfied in legitimate ways. When we're hungry, we can eat. But we're not animals. We can choose what we eat and when we eat. And that's symbolic of all of our choices. We can address the whole variety of our desires in many different ways. There are times, like during Lent, when we should deliberately deny ourselves. We call it fasting. Fasting means more than simply not eating. It means all kinds of self-denial. Jesus fasted in the desert for 40 days to set an example for us. There are times when we should deny ourselves. Why? Why fast? Because, because we have to say no to the many cravings that arise in us. If we can't say no, it means we're not free to say yes either. We become a slave to whatever desire or whatever hunger or whatever demand or whatever habit happens to hit us in the moment. If we can't say no to it, then we're a slave of it. Being in the desert means not having everything our way. Not all of our preferences will be met in this life. We are not in control of everything. We are not God. And Lent reminds us that we're not God. In fact, it, 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 Lent reminds us on Ash Wednesday that we are creatures of dust. Remember, you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Even if we haven't taken on any disciplines for Lent yet, simply being human means that we will often be unsatisfied and restless in the world. It's part of being a creature. Because we're made for God. We're not made for this world alone. Even Adam and Eve, who we heard about in the first reading, before, even before they fell into sin, they, they could not be satisfied by all the good things in the Garden of Eden. They had it all. And they, they could eat it all, except for the one, except for the one uh, forbidden fruit. But that was not enough for them, because we're not made simply to be satisfied with earthly things. We are made for God. We cannot live on bread alone, if you want to use the words of Jesus. We cannot live on bread alone. We are made to live on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Okay, so that's our condition in the desert. It's good to understand where we are. Because if we think that it shouldn't be like this, we're always going to be dissatisfied. And we'll never be able to take the right steps to go forward, make progress. Second, the second point I want to focus on, first was being in the desert. The second one is this, this adversary who comes along, the tempter, the devil or Satan. He's a liar and he's a murderer. He's a real adversary. He's not someone to take lightly. Not that we're supposed to be terrified by him. No, we're not. But he's no joke either. And this is the danger in modern culture. The only time people hear about Satan is in the movies or television programs, and he's, he's there for entertainment purposes. That's, that's, that's a shame, because we miss the real evil behind Satan and the evil spirits who are on his side. I love the description that Pope St. Paul VI once made of Satan. I'll just read it for you. He is the treacherous and cunning enchanter who finds his way into us by way of the senses, the imagination, lust, utopian logic, 
or disorderly social contacts, contacts in the give and take of life to introduce deviations. That is, he, he tries to make us deviate from the will of God and the plan of God. So St. Paul VI said that, I think in 1974 or some, sometime years ago, and he mentions, he mentions disorderly social contacts. Now, that was long before social media were even invented, but I, I find that Satan often works through social media, so it's good to see the, the tools that he can use. So here he is, a Satan. If you ever wonder why things are so bad in the world, why there's so much violence, why there's war, why there's injustice, why there's corruption, well, remember who we're up against here. We, we're not only fighting against flesh and blood. We are fighting against powers and principalities, spiritual enemies. So we have an opponent, a very strong opponent. So we need an even stronger advocate. And we have one. We have one, Jesus Christ. And we have the Holy Spirit. It should be very clear after reading this gospel that Jesus is the victor over Satan. That should be very clear to us. Satan is no problem for him. It's not like he struggled. Jesus knocks him down every time with the power of the word. So no contest. On our own, we don't have that kind of power. Not on our own. But when we are on the side of Christ Jesus, we have his power, we have his victory over Satan. Okay, so the desert, Satan, tempter. Now let's just reflect on this third topic of temptation. Satan tempts our first parents in the first reading and they fall miserably. They show us the wrong way to deal with temptation. In the gospel, Satan tempts Jesus, and Satan fails miserably. Jesus does not fall. Jesus shows us the right way to deal with temptation, which can be easily summed up by saying no. Just say no. Don't give in to or listen to the lies of the devil. But it's a little bit more complicated than that because Satan is cunning. Temptation comes at us sometimes indirectly. So let's think about this a little bit. In fact, it's very, this is very practical. You think about temptation, very practical, not only for Lent, but just for normal daily life. Temptation, remember, is not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted and he never sinned. Temptation, though, is an invitation to sin, an appealing presentation of sin. And temptation is part of human experience every day. Part of being human. Part of being free. We're tempted because we are free. Because a choice is before us. Animals are not tempted to sin. Animals don't make moral decisions. But we do. And, and because we're free, we can decide whether to eat good fruit or forbidden fruit. And everyone is tempted. Jesus was tempted, Mary was tempted, the Pope is tempted, I'm tempted, you're tempted, your neighbor is tempted, your children are tempted. That's just part of being free beings, free persons. Now, Satan's method is to 
present us with something appealing and then tell a lie about that appealing thing. A temptation always includes a lie. Satan doesn't tell the truth. It always includes something. Satan is a liar. We have to get that clear. He doesn't lie about everything. He only lies enough to catch us off guard. That's why half-truths are very dangerous. Half-truths. So he says something like, well, here is something beautiful or tasty or satisfying that will make you happy. That's what he said to Eve. No, why don't you try this fruit? Here's something beautiful that will make you happy. Well, there's a truth in it. It is beautiful. It is tasty. And we can think of it. It's an object or a person or an action or food. Yes, it's tasty. But it won't make us happy. That's where the lie comes in. He presents something appealing and then lies about the effect of taking that thing. It doesn't make us happy, it makes us unhappy. Maybe a moment of satisfaction or a moment of distraction, but then remorse, guilt, unhappiness. In fact, when we sin, which is what happens when we give in to temptation, we're worse off than we were before we were tempted. In, invariably, we're worse off. And that's what Satan wants. Even when the temptation is, is, is something clearly wrong, like, like revenge, for example, or gossip, or stealing, or something, Satan presents it, the temptation is presented in, in a way to make it look good. Oh, they deserve it anyway. Everyone's doing it anyway. No one will notice anyway. No one will miss it. They won't hurt anyone. All these kinds of lies are part of it. Make it look good and then lie about it. It's tricky and persistent. But we have the power to resist. We have the power to overcome. I said the simple answer is just say no. I, I remember that's the slogan that they use in the anti-drug campaign, just say no to drugs. Well, sometimes it's hard to say no to temptation. In fact, the very difficult temptations are the very ones that are hard to say no to. That's when we certainly need to gain strength from outside of ourselves. We don't have the strength on our own. We need to find strength in Jesus Christ. We need to find strength in the Word of God. Notice how Jesus uses the Word like a sword to cut down Satan. We have that sword, the Word of God. We need to find strength in the sacraments. If you find yourself troubled with sin, go to confession, a very powerful weapon against sin. We need to find strength from the saints, strength from good friends, people who believe, strength from people who have wisdom about the things that we experience or the things that are tempting us. We need to know that we have victory over temptation. It's certainly possible, certainly possible. That's important for us as we start Lent. Lent is a difficult journey. We will have difficult times. Uh, we will be tempted. But we're in a desert after all. We're in a battle. But we're on the winning side. So let's go forward with confidence. Let's enter into Lent with confidence. Not because we're strong or because we're good or because we're holy, but because God is strong. Jesus Christ is strong. He's holy. He's good. And he has already won the victory for us. 
So let's go into these 40 days with a strong decision and a strong hope in the mercy and the victory of Jesus Christ.